Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Hannah Mouncey is a member of the Australian women's handball team and a writer for Guardian Australia, Raw, news.com.au and Player's Voice. She performed this story in Melbourne. Hey, I like you all too. I have one rule to begin with. If you want to heckle, do it, because I want to hear it if it's funny. Um, please don't hold back. Um, so I've been asked to tell you a story, and unfortunately for all of you guys, I'm insanely boring. It took such a long time for me to think of anything. I just have no good stories. Like, I really don't. None. I'd love to tell you a story like the one Paul Kidd did, titled The Day I Got Laid at My Boyfriend's Funeral. <laughs> but, alas, I can't. Mostly for two reasons. One being that I've never had a boyfriend before. Never. I did think about it once, but then remembered the fact that I'm just not that into guys might actually be a bit of a barrier to that. (laughs) And the second is I honestly just cannot remember the last time I got laid. I'd love to say it was because I had a big night and all became a bit of a a blur, but no, it's just that my dry spell has become a drought beyond all measure. So if anyone wants to know what the next stage past El Nino is, I am it. (laughs) We are so different, you and I. (laughs) Uh, Instead, I'm going to tell you a story about a... It's not a friend of mine, that would be the wrong word. Instead, I'm going to call it the asshole piece of shit that I get to spend the rest of my life with. (laughs) I'm very cheery. I'd tell people we're together just for the kids, but this is one relationship I am never getting out of, even when those imaginary kids grow up and leave home. Um, We have an understanding for now. Um, But for about nine or ten years, this asshole piece of shit kept coming in and out of my life. And quite frankly, I just can't be arsed dealing with it. It put me in and out of hospital more times than I care to count. Wasted tens of thousands of dollars on this relationship. And it also destroyed many other relationships I had as well. So you name it, we've been through it together. Uh, We first met when I was 18 and I'd moved out of home and was living in Canberra and was working for... The AFL, which, if you can take the irony of that, um, I was doing that. So when they just sort of popped up out of the blue, no warning, no hello, just, hey, I'm here, we're going on an adventure. I didn't know it yet, and I wouldn't learn it for nearly a decade, but my friend's name was bipolar disorder. Learning its name was an ordeal in itself, because being diagnosed as having bipolar isn't that simple. No one goes to the doctor when they're feeling well, And I'm not going to lie, the highs of bipolar disorder are, at the time, incredible. That is until you know what they are, and then it's fucked. When you're undiagnosed, these highs are just times where you feel like you can do anything. You can be anyone, and you want them to last forever. When you've been diagnosed and you know what to look for, 
you strap yourself in, transfer every cent out of your account to someone you can trust and sit in a dark room with no stimulation for as long as it takes for you to come down. Usually it's a few days if you get it early, but if you don't and you really just need to write off that way you can minimise whatever damage, usually financial, may have already been done and God help you if it's personal. When you're depressed, that's when you go to the doctor and that's when you get diagnosed. When I went, that's what happened. I was put on antidepressants because that's what I was presenting with. SSRIs are a common term for antidepressants and you know what they do with people, to people with bipolar disorder? They fuck you up. The golden rule of SSRIs is do not give it to people with bipolar disorder. It sends them off the fucking charts. Honestly, it's like giving crack to a hyperactive monkey. It just really is doing that. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. How many of you have finished work, driven from Canberra to Sydney and back, through the night, straight after work, and gone to work the next day? Every day? For three weeks? Or how many of you have taken out five different credit cards, maxed out each one of them, and been $30,000 in debt because of it? In again, in a week? That's what happens when you're manic. Also, yes, my credit is fucked. I tried to change electricity providers for the Qantas points a few months ago and they wouldn't even take me on as a customer. So this millennial is also never buying a house. I mean, I'm 30 now, so I'm not sure I am a millennial. But if any of you have cardboard boxes, please give them to me. Not to move into the house that I am imaginarily buying, but to live in on the street at some point. Um, <laughs> sorry, light thing again. So I'm sure you've all figured out now that bipolar disorder is fucked. But luckily, I've been on top of it and well and truly in control of it for two and a half years now. And I haven't explained what depression is like because we've all felt something like that at some point. And no, I haven't talked about all the doctors I went to who told me I was just being hormonal for this, or the six-month wait for treatment in Canberra. Instead, I want to tell you what it's like when you're finally in control. Not what it takes and how great it is, but how hard it is. I'm sure this applies to everyone who's been through something similar, but I walk around with such a huge level of guilt because of what I know I put people through who love me so much. I have next to no self-worth because of it. Because I can't forgive myself for what I did to people. The hurt I caused and the tears that came because of me. All of it, of course, unintentional, but that doesn't make it any better. To this day, if I've texted someone more than once in about a two-week period, the text will usually start with, sorry, I know I'm annoying, but because I can't help but feel like surely I couldn't be anything else. I don't really ever ask friends to catch up because I just don't see why they should spend their time with me. And the thing is, I do this with everyone, not just the ones who were there while I was really, really sick. I do it with the friends I made after I got better as well. All except one person. She's my best friend and essentially my little sister. This is a person who has shown me so much love and forgiveness that I will never, ever be able to repay it. She showed me what it is to be truly kind to someone, forgive someone, accept them, and to see the best in them. She looked past the illness and trusted that at my core I was still a good person. Don't for a second underestimate how hard that is to do. She didn't have to do that. Just like she didn't have to ignore what so many other people were saying about me and go, you know what, fuck it, that's my friend and I don't care what you have to say about it. I still feel tremendous guilt and always probably will, but the reason I was able to get past those things is because she made the choice to do that 
And it is very much a choice to show so much kindness, love, forgiveness and acceptance that it does that to someone. I don't even know if I should be talking about it, to be honest, and I'm really nervous about it. But to broach this topic and not give this friend every bit of credit and recognition she deserves wouldn't be okay either. People ask what it takes to show all of those things, but the truth is you already know. You're all thinking about at least one example where you could show and do those things better than you have. And the thing is, if you have to ask or sh how to show kindness or love, you're really probably looking for an easier option than the one you know in your head is right. It's not easy, but the one you're avoiding is probably it. If you have a mental illness, I can tell you now there is only one way to get better and stay better, and that is to throw yourself 110% into your recovery and maintaining that when you are better. People always have times they feel they become unwell, regardless of what they do, and I get that, and that's life. But listen to professionals, listen to those close to you, and whatever you need to do, do it to stay well. Some of those things will take time. Learning your warning signs and what to do in specific instances will take time, but learning them is part of the process. Dive into it, because it has to be your priority. For those supporting someone with mental illness, you're amazing. I cannot speak highly enough of you, and you really are the most incredible people who, in reality, can probably tune out for the moral of the story, because you're probably already doing it. And if there is a moral to the story, it's this. Be kind to people, show love to people, and if you can, try and forgive people. Because I forgive all of you for my not getting laid for so long. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm telling myself it's all your loss anyway. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Attention makes me strong and I'm slightly isolated from it at the moment. Share your favourite ones on socials and follow Queer Stories on Facebook. Plus me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. If you enjoy Queer Stories, consider signing up to my Patreon. The link's in the podcast description. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.